Um, I'm, when I was preparing this message, uh, it was due to a dream that God had given me um, probably about a month and a half ago. And I'm not going to tell you the dream because it was so intense. I have no clue how to articulate it. But I definitely know what the Lord was saying and what was dear to his heart. And it was about unity, the desire that he has so much for unity in this body, in this particular body. But... Um, but first, I want to say uh, happy Father's Day to our father. And then also happy Father's Day to all the dads here. You guys are amazing. Um, I know that the Lord has redeemed our past and the mistakes that we've made as fathers. But our father in heaven, he has never made a mistake he has never created somebody and said, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Everybody was created with a purpose and with just so much expectation in the Father's heart. There is none on this planet that was ever a mistake. But I, uh, I brought this sword. It's called a battle sword. Um, are you guys ready to do battle? Yeah. Who is our war against? Evil. Evil. The devil. Is it ever against people? No. It's not. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. It's not against people. But the dude that wants to destroy our lives... And his name is Satan, the devil. So I'm just going to keep this right here so that we can see it. God's, God has given us something so sharp, so precious. And it's called his word. Sharper than any two-edged sword. That one's not very sharp. But Um, I'm really a happy person, but when I, when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I weep, I cry out of gratefulness, not out of shame or anything like that. Um, his, he's shown me his goodness. And he's shown me his glory. And he's opened up his word to where his word is not just words on a white page, but it's live and it's edible. Something that we have to consume and see the life that's between these two covers here. Without this, we will go astray, especially in today's age where there's so many distractions. I better open up my notes or I'm just going to spend all this time talking.
this idea. It didn't recognize my face, so. All right. So, <laughs> it is my computer. <laughs> what is the desire of the Father? What is his desire for us? I want to I <laughs> start back in the garden, and it's not the one that we've been planting for the last couple months. I'm talking about the original garden where he created man, it says, in their own image. What was his desire when he created man? He created everything else and waited for man to be the last. But he continues to create today, but... He wanted fellowship with us, with Adam and Eve. He wanted to be in union, in unity with his creation. And, and you remember in Genesis where he said, he walked with them in the cool of the day. Could you imagine walking with your creator? What did he look like? How did he act? How did he speak? What did he smell like? I mean, those details that Adam and Eve had the privilege to be with. And then let's fast forward to, to Jesus. When he started his ministry, he was around 30 years old. And he started calling his disciples. When Jesus first called his disciples, do you think that they knew for a fact he was Messiah? Or did they have this impression or thought or um, I hope that he's the Messiah? Because you have, you have to realize that there was silence from God for 400 years called the Maccabean period. And there was wars and there was, there was no prophets. So God's chosen people were longing for the Messiah to come on stage and save them from the Roman occupation. And could you imagine when they called... Matthew, Mark, Luke, all of, all of the disciples. And they said, I hope he's the one. I think he's the one. But then that moment where I hope or I think became reality and they said, Messiah, you are the one. You are the chosen one. That moment in time where everything changed, the reality changed. I remember when my reality changed. It was 30 years ago, and I had been this really good religious person. I would, I would do something good, and then 
turn to God because I knew there was always a God. Is this good enough? Do you love me now? Did that, did that turn your eye towards me? Because did you see what I just did? That, sh- that deserves, I deserve your presence and me knowing you. And that was a massive religious spirit in me. Everything that I did was selfish because I wanted him to be manipulated and loving me, and I didn't even realize that he loved me already. So there was, there was this realization, like my life came to a point where I realized that there was nothing that I could do further to try and get God's attention, and I knew that I didn't know him. That was my heart's desire. I knew of him, but I did not know him. You see, I, before I knew him, I had gone to one year of Bible college. I, was, I went to a two-year Bible school and graduated at the top of my class and I was speaker at graduation, and I didn't know the Savior. I had led other people to Christ, and I didn't know the Savior. I had led people into the worship of, of the Lord. I've been a worship leader longer than I have been saved. It was because of all of that religious spirit And I bless God for religion because it made me so frustrated that I realized that there was nothing that I could ever do to earn or to gain his love. So I fell into this deep depression because I didn't know what else to do. You have to understand, when your whole life is knowing that there is a God and never getting close to him, that leads to frustration. And so one day I decided that I was never going to lie again. I was never going to, because I'd go to church and I'd have this big, nice smile on and people looked up to me and they patted me on the back for having a good voice and they, they said, wow, you just are an amazing worship leader. And my heart broke because I was leading worship to myself for the accolades, for the, I was so desperate. And when I said, no more lies, Father, I actually got mad at God. And I said, if you don't show me, if you don't make this come alive in my life, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to leave my family and live what's in my mind because at least that way I wouldn't be a hypocrite. I hated the hypocrisy in my life. And then I heard, for the first time in my life, the Holy Spirit tell me, but where else is there? Because I knew Scripture. I knew it was true. I knew He existed. But where else there is there? And I said, I don't know, Lord. 
And I said, I'm going to give you one more chance. I was so desperate, and I was mad, and I was serious. It scared me to death when I got mad at God. Because I, I knew the creator of the universe could just squish me like a bug whenever he wanted. But I'm going to fast forward to make this a really a short testimony. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit has given me, when, when, when they were creating me, they're going to like, okay, Greg is going to. Greg is going to be able to see. Greg is going to be have, he's going to have pictures. He's going to be able to go places that he's never seen before. <laughs> and I'm going to speak to him in dreams and visions and pictures. And, and he's going to hear my word. But see, Satan stole that from me. He stole that part where God was supposed to communicate. And it got so bad in those last days that I was afraid to close my eyes because every single time I would close my eyes, I would see this, um, this demon face just staring at me right behind my eyelids. And so I learned how to pray with my eyes open. I learned how to sleep with my eyes open. I actually sleep with my eyes open to this day. So every now and then, Teresa will just shove me to see if I'm sleeping or awake. So I was going to this revival meeting. There was 500 people at this. And it was happening in the morning and in the evening. And one of the youth pastors said, Greg, you've got to come and hear this guy. And, and it was just when I had gotten mad at God and said, okay, I'm going to give you one more chance, and I don't care what you have me do. All I know is I need to know you. This is going to get around to unity, I promise. So I went to this, this meeting, and the first time, you got to realize I was a desperate man, ready to do anything that the Lord told me to do. If he, if he wanted me to push an ice cube down the middle of the road with my nose, I would have done it. It didn't matter. So at the end of this service, the first service, this preacher said, okay, anybody who needs a healing, come forward. And I'm going like, I need my mind. I need my mind purified. And so I went forward, and in front of 500 people, there was this line of about 30, maybe maybe 40 people. And I, and I was about the middle of it. I was probably standing right about here, this way. Yeah, and he started over there. No, he started over there. And I was uh, out the corner of my eye. I just saw him pushing people over. Fire! 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 And the closer he got to me, I was going like, God, if that's for me, I want it. 
and he got to me, and he pushed me over. And I said, Lord, I wonder if it happens on the way down. Lord, maybe if I lay here for a little bit, it'll happen. And this anger rose up inside of me. And in front of 500 people, he was down, he was down the road pushing people over. Now, I'm not judging whether some people probably went over in the spirit. I did not. All right? I am not judging that people, I know that people fall out in the spirit because it's happened to me. So in front of 500 people, I, I get up angry because I knew that God hadn't touched me. And I walked over to him, and he was, had his back turned to me, and I jerked on his jacket. Eh! And he turns around, and I said, nothing happened. I was desperate. I spent a lifetime knowing about God, and I wanted to know him. I didn't want the knowledge. I wanted the heart. And he turned around and he started praying for me. And the more that he prayed for me, the more that my heart broke because I knew that the Holy Spirit hadn't touched me. But he did. I just didn't know it. And the next time I went, God gave me this picture. And I want you, uh, if, you, if you, if it's better for you to imagine this with closed eyes, do that. But... There was this beautiful green field with grass about three feet tall, surrounded by these beautiful green trees. It was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And there was this white tornado in the middle of this field, just gently turning. It wasn't this tornado that we see on the news or some of you guys have probably witnessed it was just totally devastating. It was just staying right there in the center of this beautiful field. And, and I'm going like, all right, Lord, I know this is you because every other thought that I've ever had was putrid and wrong and, and gross. And, and I know this is you. What are you saying to me? And he didn't say anything. And then the, the next time I went... The, the same picture in my mind, beautiful grass, trees around it, white tornado. But this time there was a tongue of fire in the middle of the white tornado. I'm going like, all right, Lord, I know, uh, I know this is from you. What are you trying to tell me? What are you saying? And then the next time I came, same trees, same grass, same white tornado with the, with the tongue of fire in the middle of it. And I remember just worshiping the Lord with all my heart because it was the first time that I had pure, I knew it was pure because it wasn't my past thinking. And I was focused on it. And I don't know what song we were singing, but I was just, Lord, I'm so desperate. So desperate. 
And then all of a sudden, this white tornado, it, well, no, it turned to complete fire. And I was just focused on this complete fire tornado. And then all of a sudden, this tornado that was a cone, it, it flattened out with violence and hit the ground, and the ground shook. Jesus. Oh, it's just like it happened yesterday. So, there was garbage hidden in this beautiful grass, a lot of it. And all of the garbage flew up into the air, and then the tornado came together just like that, and it disappeared, and it shocked me. It surprised me, and I went like, <gasps> and I saw scales fall off of my eyes and shatter on the floor. <laughs> and for the first time in my life, I had a pure thought. And Jesus spoke to me in my ear, and he says, it was nothing that you could have ever done, but everything I did on the cross, you are pure. And I've never known myself as pure from that moment or prior. That's what he does to us. When he gets on the cross and we say, Jesus, you are my Messiah, you are my friend, you are my Lord. You are my King. He makes us pure. All right, I'll get to my notes. So first of all, he brings unity between me and him, between you and the Father. Between you and the Father, he brings unity that way, right? Because he desires so much to be with his children. He desires so much to have that conversation that Adam and Eve used to enjoy. <clears throat> See, there's two things I see that the biggest on the, on the Father's list. Well, first of all, to know him, because Jesus says, you have to know me to enter the kingdom of heaven. I love you. After he brought unity to me and him, he brought unity between my wife and me. I saw her completely different. 
because he had made me a new creation. And I saw her totally different. And then he brought unity between my children and myself. Then he brought unity with my church body. See, he taught me. When, when all of that garbage was out of the way, he taught me what true love was. So I want to talk to you about uh, the Father's desire for us. It's, it's such a crucial part of living as the body of Christ. My main message is coming out of Matthew 17, where Jesus is praying for the disciples and then praying for ultimately us. And there's a reason why he did that. But let's hit the remedy first. The remedy for unity in the body. I'm not going to talk about any other church. This is us. This is, this is intimate talk between everybody that's here present. You see, there's most of the challenges that we face our walk together as a body, we need a remedy for how we treat one another. And there's, I know that there's many, many, many of you that just know how to love. That is such a gift and wonderful uh, thing. But 1 Corinthians, we can all turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Sorry for my sniffles. No, I'm not. <laughs> Remember uh, Ray Bolt's song? I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad that you gave. He gave me so much, and so many other people gave me, and that was the body working. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12, I'm not going to read the whole thing, uh, the whole account, but oh, there is one body, as, but it, it has many parts. And you guys, my reading is not that great, so you're just going to have to bear with me. I'm, I'm, I'm always exposing myself to who God gets to use. I mean, man, it's just amazing how he uses everybody. Everybody gets to play. But all its many parts make up one body. One body right here. This is us. This is the body. This is our family. This is our body. I keep losing my place. Uh, it is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. It didn't 
it didn't matter whether we were Jew or Gentile, slave or free person, people. We are all given the same spirit to drink. And that's what we just did with Lewis. Amen. I mean, we're, those songs... Uh. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. Spirit move. Won't you dance with me, oh lover of my soul? Mm, such beautiful, beautiful things that the Lord desires from us, for us. All I want to do is worship. But it's not just the songs. I want this step to be worship. And this step to be worship. And this step to bring unity. And this step to be whole. Everything is worship as we walk through life. As one body, we need each other so much. I need you. I need you guys. And if I step out of line, I need you to come to me and say, Greg, you're stepping out of line. You're not giving Jesus your all. You're not. You're off. You're off. I want to know when I'm off because there's times where I get off. Suppose a foot says, I am, I am not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. That's absurd. <sighs> By saying this, it cannot stop being a part of the body. Just because you have this certain belief doesn't mean that you're, part of the, that you're not part of the body. You are. It's just a part that hurts that needs others to come alongside and encourage. I'm going to skip down to... <sighs> Verse 27. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. That doesn't mean that you got to be coerced into, hey, this is your church. I'm not talking about that. If you call this your family, you're part of this body, and we need you. We, we all as a body need you. So if we are a body... That means 
We have arms, got a head, got shoulders, got torso, got legs. What happens when the body doesn't operate the way that it should? You got the you got the arm going one way and you got the other arm going the other way, not working in concert with one another. Maybe you can't even walk because the feet are rebellious, saying, I want to be the head. Right? So you get this church that's, you know, looking like a zombie. I'm not saying that that's us. <laughs> that is, but we have improvement to be made. So take, let's take this litmus test. Can we as a body walk? You don't have to answer that. Can we run? It takes a little bit more coordination for a body to run. And it takes a lot more coordination to dance. The Lord's desire and why he allows his presence to be here is he wants eventually for us to dance as one. Not, not individually. That's wonderful as well. But could you imagine a church, what a church, what a body can accomplish when it is so coordinated that everybody finds their spot that you can actually dance? Let that sink in. But the enemy to that happening is the lack of unity. So it's, it's really interesting when, when, the, when the body, when uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about the body and how it needs to work as one unit in unity, in concert, but then the very name, next chapter is how we attain it. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7, through 7. This is actually my, my very favorite verse, and it's the one that when I first got saved, I had plastered everywhere. And it's so easy to read through quickly. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes always perseveres. For any marriage, for any body, we have to live this. We have to internalize this. Love is patient. Love is kind. When was the last unkind word that you spoke? You know, there's, 
Not so much now, but there's there's times where I, I like to get here early. And if I have to bring everybody else with me, I'm going like, ah. all right, work on my patience, Lord. Need some patience. Because it's really easy for me to just get dressed, slip on my shoes, and leave. I mean, that's that's easy. But when you're bringing your family, your body, it requires patience. It requires kindness. Instead of, come on, we've got to go. we got to go. Why aren't you getting ready? Why aren't you doing this? In verse 13, it says, Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So back to 1 Corinthians 4 through 7. So what is love? That just the previous chapter, we talked about the body and the body finding its place so that we can stand, walk, dance eventually together because we're in such concert together. It requires this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. Love always protects, not sometimes. Yesterday, I had an incident in a store. Um, there was a gentleman checking out the same time as I was checking out. We were side by side. And I guess he didn't get the service that he wanted, right? And so he started to harp on these two guys behind the counter. And it started to escalate. And I was right beside him. And I looked at him and I said, somebody's having a bad day. And he says, if I got service, I would have a better day. And I pointed at him and I said, life is better than this. And he left. Afterwards, the, the two tellers said, thank you so much. And I said, I, I understand that you guys can't address people like that, but I sure can. <laughs> and I said, you guys have a blessed day. God bless you. That was fun. And the thing is, is afterwards I told him, I said, you know what? He's probably not like that. Love always hopes. He might just be having a really bad day. So I trust that he's not always like that. And I was really hoping, and one day I hope to meet up with him again. And then right after that, I went and filled up my van and God just kind of put a, just 
just bless my heart. I, I pulled up, and then this uh, lady pulls up with her window down. I never have my window down because I don't want to talk to anybody. Um, I do. <laughs> um, and so she, uh, I said, hey, how you doing? And she said, great. And she had, it looked like her grandkid. You know, that's always an awkward, is that your grandkid or is that your son or, you know. So I just said, hey, is that, is that your grandson? I have a present for him. Can I give him a present? And she looked at me kind of puzzled. And I said, yeah, I just, I just purchased a, a whole bunch of things that are on sale for my grandkids. And I got a lot of extra. So can I give him a dinosaur ache? He was probably six, five, six years old. And she said, sure. And, and so I, I grab, I get out of the van, and I hand it to him. And it's, he's going like, what's this? It's just a dinosaur egg. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I looked at him, and I said, God bless you. And she gets this big smile on her face, and I get back to my van, and we talk about, we're having this conversation between pumps, <laughs> and, um, and, and the thing is, is I got to bless her as well. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And she uh, said some, I don't know if she was a Christian or not, but I, I got to affect my world around me, and that doesn't happen every day, of course because I'd probably be coming to church with black eyes if I ever... There's some, somebody's going to punch me. I know it. The question is, is what I'm going to do after they do it. Love is patient. Love is kind. You just punched me. <laughs> right? <laughs> so if I come with a black eye or a broken nose or something like that, you'll know what I did. <laughs> I love standing up to bullies. I'm not saying that you guys do it. I might be the fist. You guys, if you're the elbow, well, elbow works too. But <laughs> but if you're like the spleen, don't try and punch anybody, right? <laughs> no, we, we don't hit people. We hit people with love. <laughs> oh, my. Sorry, Doug. I know you're going to listen to this. Love you a whole bunch. <laughs> you asked me to do this. First Peter 4, 8, it says, Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sin. This is the Amplified. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. That means they're better than you. That means that if I serve you, I want to lift you up. I want to make you successful in whatever you want to do in the Lord. See, here's, here's the thing about if we capture 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, keeps no record wrong. All of those wonderful pursuits in our life. I love that verse with my heart. It is water 
to my soul. By doing this, it saves 90%. I don't know what the actual percentage is, but I'm saying 90 to make it sound good. It saves 90% of the offenses because if you're patient with somebody, you become unoffendable. And here's the kicker. Do you know that the divorce rate in the church is just as bad, if not worse, than the divorce rate in the church? Can you realize if, if people who are married live, love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor my wife. I don't dishonor my wife. It is not self-seeking. That means I serve her. It is not easily angered. That means that I stay away from anger. I don't, I don't give anger a seat at the table. Could you imagine if marriages started living this way? I'm going to tell one story. One more story, and I'm going to close. I got so much to go. I can do this for a week. Um, so love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, love always perseveres. And the greatest of these is love. There was one time where um, it was two years after God had saved me um, where he made all of his scripture come alive because you have to realize I, I, I memorized scripture and said, is that good enough? Do you love me now? I know all of this. I know your word. Do you love me now? Can I have your presence? That was B.C., before Christ. So, I had told Teresa, before God saved me, all of my sin, because I said, no more lies. I'm going to come clean, and she's going to, after hearing who she really married, the only logical religious thing to do, and I didn't know about religion back then, but the only logical religious thing to do is say, yep, you are a bad person. We need a divorce. That's the only thing that was in my mind when I came clean. And instead of that happening, Teresa sat up in bed and said, he said, Greg, I love you, and now I know how to help you. Many of you guys have heard this story before. 
But did she have this? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Could you imagine our body working as one in concert? How effective we would be to this world. God could use this little church to affect the entire planet because we know how to walk. We know how to dance. We have the coordination to dance when Jesus says dance. And I'm going to play the music. Whew, what a thought. Can we pursue loving one another? That means that Arguments stop. Withholding forgiveness stops. Actually, one last point. This is serious, guys, right here. I didn't even get to my story. I got to other stories. Here's a thought. Is it safe to stumble in this church? Is it safe to stumble in this church? What will happen if somebody stumbles and it comes out? What will our, be re- our reaction be? Oh, I can't, I can't be around that person. They're sinful. Or do we do what Teresa dead to me and say I love you and I know how to help you but here's here's the the big danger I'm not even going to read the scripture but you go after it it's Matthew 12 30 it, it's, it's about the, the story of the ruler or the king who wanted to settle accounts with everybody underneath him that he had borrowed money to. And, he, and he, there was this guy that owed him a bazillion dollars. And, and he said, I can't pay. And he was going to throw him into jail. And I can't pay. I can't pay. And can you have mercy on me? I'll pay it. And, and the king forgave him his entire debt. A bazillion dollars is a lot of money. And then he went out and he saw this other servant that owed him like 30 gold pieces, which was actually um, a a month's wages, a a gold piece a day. And... And he grabbed him by the throat and said, pay me back what you owe. And that other servant said, I, I, I'll pay it back. Just give me some time. And he didn't have mercy on him. So he threw him into jail until he paid. And then the king heard about it. 
This is all about forgiveness and how important it is to forgive. So, the king heard about it, brought that dude before him that didn't forgive. And he said, you wicked servant, I'm going to hand you over, and the King James says, to the tormentor. Who is the tormentor? Read it. I'm going to hand you over to the jailer. Somebody can chain you up. I'm going to hand you over to the torturer. All because you didn't forgive. Forgiveness is high on the Lord's list. Because he forgave us. We must forgive. We have to. Could you imagine if just all of us as a body started to forgive one another and didn't hold offense? Oh, Father God. Lord, I need you. We need you. We want you. I'm going to sing a song. I don't know what song I'm going to sing. But... I'm not going to have an altar call, but if you want prayer, there's going to be a lot of people that can pray for you. So as I'm singing, if, if you want to just come and be before the Lord, you're welcome. That message affects me. I've been weeping all week. Not that I'm holding grudges or anything like that, but just the weight of the goodness of God. I'm coming to your rest, God. The place where I belong Hide me in your shadows There's nothing more I want Your grace is all around me Falling like the rain Your goodness and your mercy Overwhelm my pain I Leave the world behind to follow you. I'm drawing closer, drawing closer. Time.